Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. Today's briefing is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control needed to make smart decisions and grow with confidence. Save time and money and gain agility and scale by managing your company's finances in one place in real time from your desktop or phone. Start today. Right now, NetSuite is offering valuable insights with a free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com wired. Get your free guide at netsuite.com wired. CRISPR cells show promise in first U.S. human safety trial. Using genetically edited cells to supercharge the immune system caused no adverse effects in cancer patients. It's too soon to tell if it can be a cure. By Megan Maltini. It's been over three years since U.S. regulators greenlit the nation's first inhuman test of CRISPR's disease-fighting potential. More than three years of waiting to find out if the much-hyped gene-editing technique could be safely used to beat back tough-to-treat cancers. Today, researchers from the University of Pennsylvania and Stanford finally revealed the first published report describing the trial. The highly anticipated results showed that the procedure is both safe and feasible. The crispr cells went where they were supposed to go and survived for longer than expected. They didn't cure anyone's cancer, but they didn't kill anyone either, which means the results hold significant promise for the future of CRISPR-based medicines. The trial was small, just three people, and designed only to assess the technique's safety. Last year, each cancer patient received infusions of about 100 million of their own T-cells, which had been genetically modified in a University of Pennsylvania lab. There, researchers equipped the cells with souped-up cancer-recognizing receptors and used CRISPR to make them more efficient killing machines. These cells successfully joined up with the rest of each person's immune system and could still be found circulating in patients' blood nine months later. The researchers presented some of that preliminary data at a conference in December, but didn't include any information about how well the crispr cells actually performed. That information is among the new details included in the peer-reviewed study published Thursday in Science. Before we did this, no one had ever infused CRISPR-edited cells into patients, and we're encouraged by the fact that we could do it safely, says Edward A. Stodmauer, an oncologist at the University of Pennsylvania and the study's principal investigator. 
Now we can move on to a whole new frontier of further engineering these cells and expanding the number of patients treated. The study was overseen by Carl June, a pioneer of the emerging field of immunotherapy, which involves supercharging patients' own immune systems to fight cancer through a series of genetic tweaks and pharmaceutical nudges. June's biggest breakthrough came in 2012, when his UPenn lab inserted a new gene into the T-cells of a terminally ill child named Emily Whitehead. Imbued with new cancer-recognizing abilities, those cells wiped her leukemia off the map. In June, the now 14-year-old ran her first 5K to raise money for curing children's cancer. Whitehead's miraculous recovery wasn't exactly a fluke, but she was lucky. The T-cells she received triggered a cytokine storm that flooded her body with organ-damaging inflammation. June's team saved her life by administering a newly approved drug. But other patients haven't been so fortunate. Re-engineered T-cells can also go wrong in other ways. Natural receptors will sometimes interfere with the designer ones, making them less effective. The goal of the UPenn trial was to see if CRISPR could solve some of those issues without creating a dangerous immune system reaction. Previous research has shown humans to have existing immunity to the bacteria from which CRISPR, the original version which the UPenn team used, is derived. Joseph Freyetta, who runs his own immunotherapy lab at UPenn Center for Advanced Cellular Therapeutics, designed the CRISPR systems they used and supervised the editing. After harvesting T-cells from three patients, his group made three edits to them. The first was to a gene called PDCD1. It makes a protein that acts like a break on the immune system. Tumors have ways of turning up the expression of this protein in immune cells to dampen their response to the invading cancer. By using CRISPR to turn off PDCD1, the scientists hoped to increase the likelihood that the patient's new clone army of T-cells would all show up to the fight. In the second two edits, the scientists used CRISPR to cripple genes that code for natural T-cell receptors, deleting them from the cell's surface and creating a blank slate. Then, after a few days' rest, the researchers inserted a new gene into the cells, this one containing the code for their designer receptor. That step armed each cell with a kind of cancer-homing device. Scientists next moved the cells into a collection of large bags, each holding several liters of liquid sugars, salts, and other things cells need to grow. For weeks, the bags rocked gently inside incubators until the cells had multiplied into the many millions before being cryopreserved and shipped off for infusion into each patient. The biggest question going into the trial was what would happen when those 100 million cells were plugged into patients' bodies. Would they settle in? Would they find their way to the cancer? Would they even survive? Or worse, would residual CRISPR proteins trigger massive immune reactions? There wasn't much international research they could rely on for precedent. Scientists in China were the first to use CRISPR to try to treat cancer in humans in 2016. They have since initiated a number of clinical trials, but released very little data about them. In case the stakes weren't plain enough, it might help to recall that the University of Pennsylvania is the same place where an 18-year-old named Jesse Gelsinger died from a catastrophic immune reaction to an experimental gene therapy in 1999, setting back the whole field for decades. A similar disaster could sink the efforts of the dozens of companies chasing the engineered T-cell idea and the research they support. June holds a number of patients on T-cell technology and is a co-founder of Teamunity, an engineered T-cell company that provided funding for the trial. 
Many of his co-authors have received funding or consulting fees from other cell therapy companies with T-cell products in the pipeline, including Novartis, Gilead, and Arsenal Biosciences. Proving to the public that these cells are safe for people is more than just an academic exercise. Billions of dollars are on the line. This time around, things went much better. The patient's health either improved or held steady. They tolerated the engineered T-cells with only mild adverse effects and no immune response. And when Freyetta's team sampled their blood every few months, the researchers kept finding cells with the edits they had made. That's a good sign, because it means the cells weren't dying and appeared to be just as fit as the patient's natural cells. Moreover, when the researchers biopsied bone marrow from the patients, they found the edited T-cells there too, at the sites of the cancer, indicating the new cells had migrated to the right spots. But though the three patients experienced some stabilization of their disease during treatment and one saw tumor size reduction, the T-cells were far from a total fix. One of the patients, a woman with multiple myeloma, died in December, seven months after receiving the treatment. The other two, another woman with multiple myeloma and a man with sarcoma, the one whose tumor shrank, have since had their cancer worsen and are now receiving other treatments. It's really hard for us to make any conclusion about the effectiveness of the therapy except to say it's not 100% effective, says Stodmauer. You really need to treat many more patients to get at that question. Originally, the UPenn team's plan was to move this CRISPR technique into a larger trial involving 18 participants, which could start to answer that question. But so far, they have not treated any additional patients. The reason, says Stodmauer, is that the gene editing field is moving so quickly they're not sure they want to push forward with what is now considered to be outdated tech. Today, a CRISPR system developed in 2015 looks positively prehistoric. In the years since the trial was approved, a suite of new gene editing tools that promise greater accuracy and more design flexibility have since been developed. I see the study as the first stepping stone that leads to many more investigations of this approach, says Stodmauer. In fact, he says a number of such cancer trials at UPenn are slated to begin later this year. We're right on the verge, he says. This isn't many years away. There are many more patients who will be receiving edited cells in the year 2020. The results will ripple beyond the University of Pennsylvania. A few other U.S. CRISPR trials are just getting underway. Last year, doctors began testing CRISPR for the blood disorders sickle cell disease and beta thalassemia. Another trial using CRISPR to treat an inherited form of blindness is currently recruiting participants. Let's just say this finding will be cited by every academic lab or biotechnology company filing with an investigational new drug application with the FDA for CRISPR-edited cells, says Fyodor Urnoff, Scientific Director of Technology and Translation at the Innovative Genomics Institute, a joint research center of UC Berkeley and UC San Francisco. He says the young field of gene editing has been haunted by unknowns, in particular, the potential impact of CRISPR's mistakes. The DNA slicing tool isn't perfect. Frietta's UPenn team found evidence of mutations in about 1% of cells they infused into their three patients. And many papers have come out hypothesizing about potential risks. Unexpected mutations might disrupt key cell functions or even cause cancer. One published in 2017 briefly tanked shares of CRISPR-based medical companies. But Urnoff says this shows convincingly that such fears are overblown. What this shows is that you can transplant edited cells that have all sorts of unwanted things happen to their genome, and the cells appear to be fine, and they don't have any untoward effects on patients, he says. Frietta is a little more cautious. 
We don't know what the significance is of having introduced genomic instability, he says. It's kind of wait and see. The remaining two patients will be regularly monitored for the next 15 years to assess any such long-term risks. It may be a long time before the field of gene editing has a definitive answer. But it still has many more answers today than it had yesterday, and all of them point toward a disease-fighting future transformed by CRISPR. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.